0: Chapter Twenty Five of War and Women by Mrs. Saint Clair Stobart. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five. But even though it may, by the foregoing pages, have been shown that women are capable of taking a share, a serviceable share, in warfare without inexpediency to any concerned, and even with the direct benefit to all concerned, there remain questions of sentiment which must not be ignored if we are thoroughly to satisfy our old-fashioned friend, public opinion for we all as mill puts it have sentiments but with some people these are adapted to past ages with others to coming ages and those whose sentiments are adapted to the past rather than the future will be feeling discomfort about many points why they may ask is it necessary that women should come out from their homes to do work like this at all even granting if you like that they can do it and do it well isn't there plenty of good work to be done within their own homes A woman's sphere is the home but it must be remembered in answer to this that the conditions of home life have since the days of our grandmothers been revolutionized for women by machinery and factories these accessories of civilization have deprived women of the natural outlet for activities of an industrial and domestic as well as of an intellectual order within the home in the days when such proverbs as the woman the cat and the chimney should never leave the house Bon femme et was de cage. A wife and a broken leg are best left at home, were current in every household, there was some reason why women should remain at home. For within the home were conducted by women all the industries of life. In those days women not only made jams and pickles, cured the hams and bacon, concocted wines and medicines, they also designed and embroidered all the curtains, tapestries, and carpets the making of beautiful laces the spinning the weaving the sewing and the knitting of all the garments was committed to the charge of women in those days when the control of all that made life worth living was with women she did not need nor did she seek outside occupations which indeed consisted chiefly of the less intellectual pursuits of hunting and fighting there was plenty of scope within doors for the intellectual industrious and artistic faculties of every active-minded woman if it were true that woman was more honoured at that time when she remained within the confines of the domestic hearth than she is now this was not because she remained at home but because all the arts and crafts of life were in her hands within the home but now all this is changed through no fault of the woman herself and except for the young wife and mother who has plenty of occupation in the rearing of her family there is not enough work within the home for additional active-minded and able-bodied women the unmarried daughters sisters cousins aunts who need occupation but who can have no family of their own because there are not enough men to go round the care and cleanliness of the home itself is now in a large measure confined to machinery and automatic cleaners take the place even of the good old annual spring cleaning which gave holiday to husbands and opportunities to housewives the result is that with the best will in the world women who are not wives and mothers and who do not need to earn a living are reduced to finding occupations in futile social functions bridge parties motor driving and flirtations the more energy and activity a woman possesses the more energy and activity will she put into these pastimes and the more seriously she treats these pursuits the worse it is for herself and for the state duty varies with times and circumstances it was recorded as a eulogy of the father of frederick the great that when he met a woman on the street he would walk up to her with his cane raised saying go back into the house an honest woman should keep indoors when the work of a woman was within the home it was obviously the duty of women to be chiefly within doors but now that almost every form of possible work for women has been transferred to regions outside the domain of home it becomes just as much the duty of a woman to go outside and a dereliction of duty to remain within as it was formerly her duty to remain within and a dereliction of duty to be frivolous outside in the human as in the animal world change of environment necessitates change of habit and change of habit involves again change of character for women the whole environment and conditions of life have changed and deprived of her ancient sphere of activity within the sheltered walls of her own household women must now choose between two alternatives she must on the one hand either content herself with tatting dusting china ornaments nursing poodle dogs and giving herself over to a life of fatuous and supersensual emotions degenerate that is into a social parasite sucking the very life-blood of the state or she must seek work in the outer world the example of the kiwi bird should be a wholesome warning to those women who hanker after the first alternative this bird whose natural firmament was celestial space succumbed to the temptation of following a line which was temporarily one of least resistance and because food was at one time plentiful on the ground and exacted less exertion in attainment adapted itself structurally and with apparent temporary advantage to become a ground bird but there came a time when firearms were introduced into new zealand and that poor foolish kiwi bird with its wings now irretrievably atrophied is likely soon to become extinct and women if they do not face the present situation courageously are liable to suffer not extension but degeneration to lose their wings of independence and become parasites depending for the means of livelihood upon the efforts physical and mental of the other sex decadence of all the finer qualities of womanhood must result if women are to be condemned to a life in which love and intrigue games pleasures and social functions are the dominant features and nothing is more certain than this if woman degenerates men's degeneration is not far distant bodies of different weights fall with the same velocity berkson's formula which he applied to science applies it seems with equal appropriateness to the position of woman today. It is berkson says an immutable law of the universe that species pass through alternate periods of stability and transformation when the period of mutability occurs unexpected forms spring forth in a great number of different directions and might we not expect as a possible contingency that undue suppression of those new forms will result in the production of monstrosities but if woman is to work in the outer world in competition with man who has indeed already annexed most of her former occupations if that is she is to participate with man on equal terms in the general work of life in the rewards of business art trades and the professions and in the benefits of social security and good government she must share with man the responsibility of defending those walks of life and that government from enemies without as well as from enemies within the modern woman has an instinct that there is a large sphere of work open to her in the territorial service of her country when once the sea of prejudice has been safely crossed is she in indulging this instinct more irrational than say columbus who set sail upon an instinct that the atlantic had ashore upon the other side it is difficult to realize that only fourteen hundred years ago in the sixth century A.D., a council of the wisest men of the day sat solemnly at macon to discuss the question as to whether or no women possessed souls and were human beings like unto men or whether they were indeed merely animals by a stroke of good luck for us women the question was eventually decided though only by a small majority in the affirmative only by the skin of our teeth were we recognized by the world as belonging to humanity now one of two things either women must during the intervening period between that council of macon and the time of our grandmothers the time of man's ideal woman, have made a most miraculous progress or those men of macon were wrong in their estimate of the nature of women in the former alternative is it not possible that without men's having noticed it women have gone on progressing out of recognition from our grandmother's times to this year of grace nineteen thirteen in the latter alternative if the men of the macon age were so completely out in their estimates of the nature and capacity of women as even to doubt their kinship in humanity with men may not twentieth-century men have perhaps also a little misfocused the attributes of woman It must also be remembered by those who use the sphere of home argument against the participation of women in national defence, and work outside the home, that twentieth-century methods of quick transit and communication have enlarged for women as well as for men the narrower significance of the word home. Though the home is still, as it probably always will be, the centre of a woman's life, the word home has now for women an imperial and worldwide import and embraces not merely the few square roots surrounding her home domain, but the colonial dominions in which her sons and daughters live a woman's horizon is no longer bounded by her own back parlour and the parish hall but by atlantic and pacific oceans which belong to the human family machinery deprived women of her ancient sphere of work within the home but machinery in the shape of quick means of transit and communication has now in reparation open for women the portals of the world the result is an extension of woman's sense of responsibility to national and even international concerns woman now sees that there are national as well as domestic virtues and that it is no more desirable in the interests of women that men should have a monopoly of national virtue than it is desirable in the interests of men that women should have a monopoly of domestic virtue what about the interests of men it may be asked is the whole world in future to be conducted in the interests of women only all the best instincts of man revolt against the idea that his womankind should be exposed to the cruder realities of war the woman who can face bloodshed and atrocities and endure hardships without wincing is no longer the woman of man's ideal the charm of womanhood with its delicacy of sentiment and feeling will vanish and the ideal relationship a relationship of contrast between the sexes will be destroyed like does not mate with like besides women will no longer want to marry the dull routine of home life will stand no chance as against the more adventurous possibilities of a life given to the national service but in the first place it must be borne in mind that the strength of character of a nation is in direct ratio to their struggle against nature's obstacles is this truth only applicable to the manhood of the nation may it not also apply to women who so long as they are sheltered and cosseted cannot develop the finer and more heroic characteristics men dislike the hardening process for women but the moral fibre of women and therefore eventually of the nation itself is at stake as concerns marriage if it should indeed be true that women who can find practical work in life outside marriage would no longer be so eager to marry this would not necessarily be an evil for it would probably act as an additional incentive to man to desire marriage marriage has been regarded for women as a profession in which failure involves as in other professions humiliation women are trained therefore under the present regime, to employ all the arts at their disposal to ensure success in their profession the greater the number of competing women and the more jaded the inclination of men who are fewer in numbers and can thus pick and choose the more need is there for arts and wiles and sensuous display on the part of women if women were absorbed in professions and occupations such as farming architecture territorial service and the like and only desired marriage when and because they loved the loss in the woman of the wiles and artificialities which formerly stimulated the man to marriage would be counterbalanced by a more healthy emulation on the part of the man who would be desirous to obtain something of value which was difficult to get furthermore is it not as a rule the active and industrious women who shirk motherhood but the idle women who concentrate on the pleasure derivable from emotions which were intended by nature only as a means towards an end the history of so-called civilization shows that this end the ultimate object of love-making between the sexes is ignored generally speaking in proportion to the glorification that is given to the means if therefore the attention of women should be distracted from the preoccupations of sexual allurements the result would probably be shown not in a diminishing birth rate, but in a reduction of white slaves amongst women and of sensuous pleasure-seekers amongst men ah but it will be again contended man's instinctive sense of chivalry requires that women shall not defend it is she who must be defended it is the weakness and dependence of women which brings out all the noblest characteristics of man this argument was one day illustrated to me in an interesting fashion by an opponent of this sphere of work for women he was assuring me as a reason why it was undesirable that women should participate in national defence that it should be very bad for the character of man he spoke as follows it is good for men he said that women should retain their feebleness and feminism i like he went on naively to feel when i fondle a helpless kitten on my knee that i could take it and bang its head against the wall i don't do so and therefore the helpless kitten brings out all my best characteristics but if the best characteristics of man can only be developed by the maintenance of the helpless kitten attributes of woman and the atrophy of her finer and more self-reliant qualities Then the sooner men and women set to work to devise some other standard of best characteristics both for men and for women the better there is much confusion prevalent on the subject of the sex characteristics of women owing i have always thought to general lack of discrimination between those characteristics of a woman which are incidental to her sex and should be truly called qualities of womanhood and those characteristics which are only incidental to her environment and should be recognized as characteristics of femininity the womanly qualities are those which are essential for the preservation of the species they are concerned with the primary functions of sex itself they have been evolved they are of germ-cell origin and are inheritable in that sex only to which by nature they belong they are in short qualities which have been hallmarked by god for creative purposes the instincts of mother-love of self-sacrifice of usefulness these are in women essential for the fulfilment of the idea of the species for without them the race would die these are the inheritable ingrained qualities of womanhood the feminine characteristics on the other hand have not been evolved by god they have been inculcated by mankind for purposes of an artificial social life love of dress and display inanity helplessness and idleness these are not ingredients of the woman's nature they are not instincts they are habits superficial and illuminable femininity exhibited in hobble skirts corsets preposterous headgear and high-heeled shoes is like the blueness of the andalusian fowl described by mendel it is a quality for which in nature there is no gamete man has made woman feminine for his purpose god made her womanly for his the characters of womanhood as also of manhood are unchangeable but if the characteristics of femininity and of masculinity which are dependent upon circumstance and environment do not change with the changes of circumstance and environment caricatures of both sexes are the result and now that a vast change has been effected by machinery factories and methods of transit and communication in the circumstances and environment of women's life it is inevitable that a change should also take place in those outer characteristics which are however the characteristics of femininity only but it may again be urged such highfalutin philosophy might be good enough for books but let us be practical supposing war breaks out and the woman is called away from her home on active service what is to happen to the poor wretched man who if he were not himself in the army or in the territorial service would be left to servants with the care of the children on his hands and his home life destroyed and what would happen to the children if the man and the woman both went off on service the latter case is immediately answered for no woman with small unleavable children would join the territorials but as regards the possibility of a man being left by wife sister aunt or any other home-making relative it must be borne in mind that in the case of a man similarly called upon to leave his home his wife and his family the world thinks it very right that he should in times of national emergency consider the welfare of the nation before the welfare of his family this is a higher morality which is not generally disputed why then should the same high morality not apply equally in the case of woman but it will be argued men do not desire that women should make these sacrifices men are themselves willing to make any sacrifice that is required but it is their privilege to shield their women-folk from such necessity we all know they say that a woman will sacrifice herself for her home her husband and her child and that is all we demand of her we do not desire or deem it fitting that she should sacrifice her home her husband and her child for her country the supreme sacrifice is the duty and privilege of man but if it is the sacrifice which for the man constitutes the virtue and the heroism why should not the greater sacrifice entailed upon the woman who should leave home and family for work in hospitals of war constitute for the woman an even greater virtue and heroism are women to be denied all exercise in the higher and heroic virtues if it is important for the character of the male population that they should be ready to make sacrifices for their country it is difficult to see how it could be bad for the character of woman to make a similar sacrifice it is true that a discrimination between national and domestic virtue may be involved but as illustrated by those who volunteered for the Boer war discriminations between patriotic and business claims patriotic and family claims were made by men who volunteered their services and on the whole these discriminations were safely left to the discretion of business men and fathers of families is there any reason to suppose that a woman would more likely reject the claims of family and of home duty than a man if then it be right according to a higher morality for women as well as men to make sacrifices of others than themselves in national causes it cannot be less right for them to do so because there may be accompanying risk women in these days feel that it is no longer desirable for men to decide either whether women shall take risks or what the nature of the risks shall be women are no longer in their nonage they are responsible human beings and are capable of judging for themselves so long as men kept women from a knowledge of life and of its dangers so long as it was incumbent on men to keep them also from the accompanying and unknown risks but from the moment that an adult woman understands the risks she may be running it is for her to determine whether she will take them it will probably be argued in reply that risk of life which men and women both share in common is one thing but there are other risks due to a woman's sex which she would in warfare have to face and that it is from these risks that men would at all costs protect her but the sex of woman runs more risks every night in the civilized streets near piccadilly under conditions of civil law than is ever likely to be encountered by them under martial law there is no danger so great for women as ignorance there is no danger in the outside world or on battlefields which can compare with the danger incurred through the ignorance of the woman who never leaves the sphere of home and again if the sacrifice which the woman makes in leaving her home should involve on the man the sacrifice of losing her the deplorable circumstance will be not the act of sacrifice but the war which makes such sacrifices necessary if disaster to the home should come to be for the man as it has always been for the woman a corollary of war an additional incentive towards peace might thus be provided and woman's entrance into the area of war become on this score alone justified but again it may be urged that the welfare of the state depends upon the welfare of the family which must at all costs be guarded and that the presence of the woman in the home is essential to the welfare of the family but existing laws point to the prevalence of the impression that the husband and father is of more value to the family than the wife and mother and as concerns the material welfare of the home the result is under present conditions probably more disastrous if the man is killed than if the woman dies for whereas the death upon the battlefield of the man the breadwinner may entail the destitution of the family the death of the wife and mother in a fever hospital would cause to the family at home chiefly sorrow and inconvenience in any case it is left to a man's own conscience to decide between his country and his family and a similar decision could probably be left with equal safety to the conscience of women to whom the horrors of war would offer less temptation from the path of home duty than to the man it is in any case as important for the character of women that they should be free to choose the form of sacrifice required by the emergency as it is for men and there is no reason to suppose that given the choice The woman's sense of duty to the home would be less acute than that of her male partner there must at any rate be no half measures the woman who derives benefits from the country must be prepared where circumstances permit to serve that country in national emergency and if she engages herself to serve that country she must be ready to make every sacrifice even the sacrifice of her own feelings if the emergency arises and the man who does not want to see the british race die of inanition must sacrifice his feelings and help the women in their new-born desire to grow a national backbone it is to the interests of men as members of a dominant race that the heroic as well as the gentler virtues should be cultivated amongst women to judge from the numbers of the territorial army to-day there is not a glut of self-sacrificing qualities amongst men THE DEVELOPMENT OF A NATIONAL VIRTUE AMONGST WOMEN MIGHT BE THE SALVATION OF THE MEN, AND AN INCENTIVE TO A PATRIOTISM IN WHICH MEN AND WOMEN WOULD VIE WITH EACH OTHER IN WHOLESOME RIVALRY. AND WHO KNOWS IF, WHEN THE TIME SHOULD COME, THAT MEN AND WOMEN SHOULD BE OUT TOGETHER FOR HEROIC PURPOSES, IT MIGHT NOT COME TO PASS THAT THE MANHOOD THAT HAS BEEN IN WAR WILL BE TRANSFERRED TO THE CAUSE OF PEACE, AND WAR WILL THEN, AS EMERSON PREDICTED, LOSE ITS CHARM AND PEACE BE VENERABLE TO MEN. End of chapter 25